And now it gives me great, great pleasure to introduce to you the bride and groom. But the band leader was drowned out by the room's sudden outburst of warm applause, and even a few hooting cheers, before he could finish with the phrase Rachel had been most curious to hear aloud, Mr. and Mrs. Jerome Trevis. She stood to the side of the Wagatuck Tennis Club's main dining room and watched her mother gaily cross the dance floor on Jerry's arm, a green disco spotlight swirling around them. Ladies and gentlemen, their first dance. A respectful hush fell across the crowd as the Moonlight Express band swung easily into night and day and Winnie put her hand lightly on Jerry's upper arm, where the fabric of his suit was all bunched up. Rachel Brigham was having trouble experiencing this moment, in which her nearly eighty-year-old mother danced with her new husband on their wedding day. All she could sense was the pressure of expectation from friends and neighbors throughout their small town, even those not invited. Was she supposed to cry? smile, both. Everyone Rachel had talked to in the weeks leading up to this event, from the caterer's assistant to customers at the store to Lisa, her dental hygienist, had wanted to know how does it feel. With an airlock-tight gaze fixed on her, they would ask, what was it like for Rachel to see her mom fall in love again this late in life? Wasn't it unbelievably sweet and hopeful? Wasn't it a testament to the power of something? Maybe what they wanted was a little dirt, to have her express a fraction of dismay, some sense of loss about her father, dead now twelve years, or even for her to slip quickly into a knowing ridicule. After all, there was plenty that was ridiculous about all of this, The band, the arranged flowers, the cake, all produced for a couple whose combined age spanned a century and a half. More than once Rachel had suffered pangs of embarrassment on her mother's behalf while helping to plan this wedding that everyone in town had been talking about. Why couldn't Winnie have a small ceremony with Judge Greenberg and then a lunch at La Finestra for twenty, maybe thirty people? but one of her mother's best and most infuriating qualities was a blithe disregard for what other people would think. Most of the time Rachel found this admirable, or wanted to. She watched Winnie step tremulously, lightly, back and forth to the syrupy music, Jerry's big arms held stiffly around her. Why were the most important things the hardest to say? The friends who wanted a glimpse at Rachel's emotions said nothing, asked nothing about what had really changed for her. Nothing about the obvious fact of Jerry's money and the sudden immense difference between what her mother now had and what she herself did not. How could they, when Winnie and Rachel themselves had addressed it only through the most fleeting joking comments? For example, what they imagined Jerry's high-powered daughter Annette must think of Hartfield's one hair salon, where men's cuts were still fourteen dollars, and women crowned with tinfoil took amiable turns under the chipped pink metal hood of the one ancient dryer. 
Did they want her to admit that it had been a long, long time since a man had held her the way Jerry was holding her mother, out there on the dance floor? Well, she could do that. She'd be the first to do that, say how long it had been. As she stood there watching, Winnie tipped her head down slowly and knocked her forehead ever so softly against Jerry's chest. He reached under her chin and lifted her face, all while they kept dancing, so that when their eyes met again he could say something to her without words. Yes, I'm here. Yes, this is really happening. Rachel held herself very, very still. It had been such a long time.